Hello, Rebecca. Hi, John. From The Recount and iHeartRadio, this is the News Items Podcast, bringing you analysis based on my newsletter, News Items. It's Wednesday, June 16th. John, what do you want to talk about today? Well, let's start with Fox Corporation, which has invested $100 million in an NFT venture. And you know I can't resist a a good non-fungible token story. And in other media news, the conservative GB News Network launched in the UK on Sunday. And we have to talk about that. How about you? A specific subsector of the cryptocurrency market, the stablecoin sector, is worth over $100 billion, and it has regulators worried. We'll get into why. And we also need to discuss Cristiano Ronaldo's market-moving water endorsement at the Euro 2020 soccer tournament. All right. We'll start with a couple of science and tech headlines, and then let's get to the items. All right. First, climate change gets all the attention, but The Economist's environment editor argues that our planet's shrinking biodiversity is just as big a threat. Roughly 1 million animal and plant species are at risk of extinction. This includes many of the domesticated mammals humans either eat or use to produce food. Less directly, most of the world's food crops are pollinated by animals, and the problems of biodiversity and climate change feed into each other. For now, plants and trees remove carbon equivalent to about a quarter of the emissions from human industry and agriculture. John, this article is a preface to a series of economist articles about how technology can address this problem via monitoring, preservation, and restoration of ecosystems. How do you see technology's role here? Uh, This is obviously a huge question, but it's roughly equivalent to the virus versus the vaccines. What we're doing, what humanity is doing to biodiversity is probably only fixable by biotechnology. Precision agriculture. Exactly. Yeah. So it's whatever the equivalent would be. It's, you know, deterioration versus restoration, I guess, uh, both because of technology. Mm -hmm. Next, a leading Arctic researcher warned on Tuesday that irreversible global warming may already be upon us. Marcus Rex led the world's biggest expedition to the North Pole aboard the German research ship Polar Stern. After that mission ended last year, he had warned that ice-free summers may be just decades away for the Arctic. The ice in our planet's north cools tropical air from the south, and without that cooling effect, weather systems and conditions all over the world could change. And the good news is I'll be dead when it gets really bad. So, But <laughs> well, the story is all over the press today, obviously. Mm-hmm. And doing news items, I, I read some version of this story more or less every week. And it certainly doesn't sound like it's getting better. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Let's move on to the news items. Fox Corp has just made a $100 million bet on NFTs or non-fungible tokens. On Tuesday, it announced the launch of a new unit called Blockchain Creative Lab, and they're seeding it with a $100 million investment. The unit will partner with creators to sell NFTs, and their first collaboration will be with Crapopolis, an animated series that will air on Fox this fall. According to CNBC, NFT sales hit a seven-day peak of $176 million in early May. By Tuesday, that seven-day sales number was down to around $9 million. What do you think, John? So there are all these great moments, right? Yeah. There are great moments in sports. There are great moments in business. There are great moments in politics. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest moments was Tim Berners-Lee writing the code for the World Wide Web. That's and right. today, I read in the Financial Times that he is going to do an NFT of that source code. Mm-hmm. 
that is going to be auctioned, and I suspect it will command an enormous price. He's not going to profit from it personally, but it's going to go towards his work. So there is a market. Of course there is. <laughs> of course there is. And it's, you know, the notion that it's going down, I don't think that's true at all. I think it's going to be a very robust market Yeah. because individuals have these sort of passions and they will pay for it. It's not just about individuals' passions. What's attractive about NFTs is that it enables content creators to manufacture scarcity because for the past two decades plus, we have been living in a cultural environment where it is taken for granted by media companies and consumers alike that content is just free for the taking and that you screw the creator and you pay, you know, it's all about the advertisers. And this is a long overdue, I think, natural, entirely intuitive reaction to the way that content creators have been squeezed for the past many years. With respect to Fox, this new initiative is going to focus on animation, art, short form videos, that kind of content initially. I wonder what the attraction is going to be for the content creators that they partner with. Because, you know, given the nature of an NFT, the distributor has to make it attractive for the creator to provide their content to that platform. There's the partnership, right, with the content creator. Yeah. And then there's just the whole infrastructure of doing it. Yeah. And that's where essentially they're the auction house. Yeah. And they're the people that take care of the whole storing of it on the blockchain. That's going to be a very good business. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be very robust. I really do. And I'm yeah. surprised the press coverage is sort of, well, it's a fad and, you know, top of the market craziness and so on and so forth. It's not a fad. No, no. No. <laughs> I mean, the good news is that the milk no longer comes for free. You got to buy the cow. Exactly. That is, <laughs> you got to buy the cow, and there's a limited number of cows, all right? <laughs> exactly. In fact, there's one, right? That's right. <laughs> That's right, and it don't come cheap. All right. No, it okay. does not. Okay, moving on. Next up, a type of currency called stable coins has regulators worried. People are always worried, aren't they? Yeah, especially when something's called stable. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Stable coins are cryptocurrencies with a fixed price, and they're supposedly backed by real money reserves, usually U.S. dollars. The total market capitalization for these stable coins recently climbed over $100 billion. Now, the Fed chairman, Jerome Powell, and Fed Governor Lyle Brainerd have both issued warnings about the risks stable coins might pose to the financial system. The coins, for instance, may be used for illicit transactions. Mm -hmm. They aren't backed by the FDIC and may not actually have the reserves they claim. And if after they're widely adopted, users lose confidence, it could lead to a 21st century style run on the bank. So, Rebecca, do you think stablecoins present a serious threat to the stability of our financial system? And if so, what should regulators do about it? Well, they could potentially, yes, present a serious threat to the stability of our financial system. First of all, I mean, the name is deceptive, right? I mean, stable coins make you think that they're stable, right? They make you think that they're backed up by some. And there are there are coins that are backed by commodities. I mean, they may be backed by money market instruments. They may be backed by dollars. There are some emerging markets that have issued rice-backed stable coins used by the agriculture sector. So they can be backed by anything, but they might not be backed by what they say they're backed by. And transactions may bypass any type of banking relationship, which may make it possible to 
facilitate illegal activity, which you know has been an issue with cryptocurrencies. I imagine the drug cartels are a little disappointed to to hear that the regulators are paying attention. <laughs> yeah, and you know there are a couple of stable coins that have come into the purview of regulators and politicians. One of them being Tether. That is a stable coin that is ostensibly backed by the U.S. dollar. I believe its market capitalization is upwards of $60 billion. Mm -hmm. It's incorporated in Hong Kong, okay? It's not a U.S. entity, <laughs> not a U.S. entity, ostensibly backed by U.S. dollars. But, you know, earlier this year, J.P. Morgan analysts raised the alarm because Tether is used as a funding currency for Bitcoin transactions. Yeah, baby. Something like 50 to 60 percent of Bitcoin transactions were facilitated through Tether, according to J.P. Morgan Chase's analysis from earlier this year. So if there were, for example, a crisis of confidence in Tether, that could pull the air out of Bitcoin, which isn't backed by anything. You can see how fragile this market becomes. So I think, you know, it's, look, the idea that U.S. regulators are just going to allow the stablecoin market and the cryptocurrency market, for that matter, to just go on unregulated because people would prefer it that way is a pipe dream. You know, much like the value of any of these cryptocurrencies. I mean, it's an interesting area. And I think, you know, crypto is obviously not going to go anywhere. But the idea that it's going to go unregulated is a fantasy. I mean, the answer to this, as we've talked about before, is central bank digital coins. Problem solved. I mean, that's where this is all heading, right? Yes. I mean, the Chinese are already sort of market testing it, and eventually the Fed will sort of be last, but it'll be the most important, and yep. they'll learn from all the mistakes of the others that go forward, India, China, et cetera, but mm -hmm. it will become a huge part of, quote, currency, end quote, in the U.S. So that's where this is all going. The question is, is <laughs> will stablecoin slash Bitcoin, <laughs> you know, have a massive car wreck and cause all sorts of problems? Yeah. When you talk about anything cryptocurrency related, like there are going to be several car crashes. It's not like a one thing. <laughs> I mean, that's the name of the game is the car crashes, right? Right. This idea that stable coins are inherently stable, I think that's a... Yeah. That's a that's no. A I mean, that's why it's right? called stablecoin. Is because you, you know it's if not it was stable. called <laughs> if it was called not very stable coin. You'd be, yeah, you know, you'd want to stay away from it. Yep, you can say that again. All right, we're gonna pause for a word from some of our sponsors, and we'll be right back with more news items. Welcome back to News Items. Cristiano Ronaldo, the Portuguese soccer superstar and the world's most followed person on Instagram, may have single-handedly inflicted a $4 billion slump on Coca-Cola's market value. On Monday during a press conference for the Euro 2020 soccer tournament, he moved two Coke bottles to the other side of his press table with seeming disdain. <laughs> By the end of the conference, Coca-Cola's stock price had dropped 1.6%. Rebecca, what's going on here? Is this just another instance of investors overreacting to celebrities' remarks and tweets, or should Coke stockholders really be concerned about this? Yes and yes. I mean, this has got to be a market top, right? It used to be that, you know, when you saw a, a company profiled on the front page of USA Today, it's time to sell. Right. Now, maybe it's just, this is just like the next iteration of that. I mean, Ronaldo is obviously a, a huge influencer. Coke is a lead sponsor of the Euro 2020 soccer tournament. You know, in Coke's last quarterly earnings report, areas like hydration and sports drinks were not a big growth area for the company in that last report. 
soft drink sales in emerging markets like Latin America, like Asia Pacific were. So when you have a figure like Ronaldo, who is widely followed on Instagram, that's potentially a, a warning sign. There are two parts, right? Yeah. One is he has 300 million followers on Instagram. Yeah. I mean, that's just astonishing, yeah. number one. And, <laughs> and number two, if we only had the audio of the Coca-Cola CEO calling the head of Euro 2020 <laughs> and saying, uh, I'm sorry, what what did he say at the press yeah. conference? <laughs> Although, I mean, honestly, it is, I mean, when you talk about stage managing the press conference for an elite athlete, putting a sugary soda in front of a high-performing athlete is not a great move. It's like asking him to hold a box of Marlboro cigarettes. You know, it's the sponsorship, right? I mean, come on. Of course the man drinks water. Are you kidding? I mean, doesn't Coke own? They own Dasani. a bottle of water label. Right, okay. So yeah. give the man a bottle of Dasani. I mean, yeah. what is honestly? Somebody's going to lose their job. That's for Yeah. Sure. <laughs> but I mean, look, it's hard to argue with Ronaldo's move. I mean, it was, you know. He's being authentic, which, which, if anything, makes him more attractive as a spokesperson for a nutrition brand. My solution to this to this problem for Coke is that they hire Ronaldo yeah. to be their spokesperson for Dasani water. That's right. That's a win-win. Sorry about the Coke thing, but drink Dasani water. That's what I call a blue ocean strategy, John. 300 million Instagram followers will immediately run down and get the sunny water and all will be forgiven. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Okay. So GB News, the United Kingdom's new conservative news channel debuted on Sunday night and it got more viewers than BBC News and Sky News combined, at least at the very top of the hour. The network opened with a program hosted by Chairman Andrew Neal, who said the channel was committed to covering the people's agenda, not the media's agenda. Neal is probably best known in the U.S. for a viral video where he interviews American conservative Ben Shapiro. In it, Shapiro gets increasingly upset at Neal's pointed questions, but Neal is actually quite conservative. Some advertisers, including IKEA, Nivea, and the brewer Grolsch, are pausing ad buys or even boycotting the network after a campaign by activist groups that say it's hateful and divisive. John, Rupert Murdoch recently killed plans to start a Fox News-like channel in the UK, so it looks like GB News may have the right-wing news lane all to itself. How do you expect it will do post-day one? One thing to point out is Sky News and BBC News have news organizations. I mean, they mm -hmm. have people in the field, reporters, producers, in the case of BBC, all over the world. Yeah. But Sky also has fairly wide reach in terms of its coverage. GB is a news channel in the sense that they read news briefs, mm -hmm. but it's basically a talk radio network on TV. Mm -hmm. And I suspect that they will find an audience in the same way that Fox found a market underserved in the U.S. Mm -hmm. There is this underserved market in Great Britain. So, you know, I think it will be successful. It'll have a very, very rocky start. Yeah. They have an advertiser problem, which is difficult because once you get on what's called a DNA list, do not advertise, it's very hard to get off. Uh -huh. The second problem is that it takes a long time to build up, quote, stars, end quote. Mm -hmm. You can't do that in a year or two or even five. You have to remain committed. And the reason that Rupert Murdoch was so successful with Fox News Channel is that he was willing to lose literally over a billion dollars over the first nine years of the network. 
So it's going to take them a while to build up audience loyalty to talent and certain programs. They're going to have trouble with advertisers. And the question is, are the investors going to have the kind of patience that Rupert had with Fox News? The good news for them uh-huh. is that Rupert, who was going to compete in this space and hired David Rhodes, mm-hmm. the former president of CBS News, to oversee that, they pulled out. So the lane is wide open, as you say, for uh, Mr. Neal. And one of the backers is Discovery Channel. In theory, they can be more patient than perhaps the others. According to audience figures released from The Guardian in their report on the launch, 57% of the viewership is male, 52% is 65 or older. That's right. You mentioned that the fledgling network has already managed to alienate some potential advertisers. But according to The Guardian's reporting, there is an idea at GB News that they may make up for the shortfall in advertising revenues by encouraging followers to subscribe using an app. What's your take on this business plan, given what we know about GB News's desired demographic? Unlikely to be successful. (laughs) (laughs) Fox is having this problem with Fox Nation. Problem with having an audience that's 66 years, in Fox's case, I think, 68 years old, the average viewer is 68 years old, is that they don't want an app. They just want their clicker. That's why all of those pharma ads about how you're going to die unless you take this pill are so prevalent on these news channels. It's interesting because I wonder, is there really a platform issue for GB News to build on? I mean, Brexit is over. Meghan and Harry have left the country. What else are they going to rattle on about or how are they going to fill airtime? It's like they don't have the platform issue. Like, what is it? I mean, there's a lot to work with. Okay, yeah. I mean, uh, immigration is is a staple. Mm-hmm. You have crime. You know, knife attacks in London are through the roof. So that's a good one. There's the whole woke culture thing. Is wokeism really a cultural thread in the UK? I think they can sell it. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I they think would like it to be. You know, the, <laughs> they, look, I mean, they need like, it to be. On any given day when there's not much going on, Fox News devotes an enormous amount of time bashing, quote, the liberal media, end quote, right? It's a staple (laughs) of the Fox diet. It's like the potato Mm -hmm. of the Fox diet. And, you know, that there you go. That's a good one, right? You can bang on that all day long. And inevitably, inevitably, issues will arise that propel the network forward into the public consciousness. I mean, Uh Fox was losing money hand over fist until Monica Lewinsky came along. Uh And it transformed the network, became profitable much quicker because of that, the whole Clinton scandals, everything. So, you know, something will come up. I mean, these are clever people. They know how to ride an issue and they'll ride some issue into a larger audience. You know, you mentioned that Discovery Networks here in the U.S. is one of the early backers of GB News. Another of its supporters is Sir Paul Marshall, the hedge fund manager who is the head of Marshall Waste, a long, short hedge fund based in the U.K. Do you know anything about him? Yeah. I mean, it's all these Tory party financiers that are Mm -hmm. the second leg of the money, which is where you would go, obviously. Mm -hmm. But the question is, with people like that, Mm -hmm. do they have the patience of a Rupert Murdoch? And my guess is, no, they don't. (laughs) You know, they need an anchor to windward. And Mm -hmm. is Discovery going to be the anchor to windward? Mm, We'll see. You know, David Zasloff, he was probably responsible for Roger Ailes being fired at CNBC because of something Roger said to him that he understandably took offense to. 
And so he watched Roger walk out the door and he watched Roger build Fox News Channel with Rupert's money. So I don't think he's unaware of <laughs> how long it takes to build a successful opinion network. So he may be their anchor to Windward. I don't see a hedge fund guy saying, okay, I'll lose, you know, $30 million a year for 10 years and then I'll start to make money. I don't, that doesn't strike me as a business yeah. model that would work. Yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, you go for the sports team instead, right? <laughs> At least you get tickets out of that. That's right. That's right. All right. For a deeper dive on the topics we discussed today, whether it's financialization of everything or an incredibly rarefied look at the future of global media, you got to check out John's newsletter, News Items, where all of the content for the News Items podcast comes from. That is at newsitems.substack.com. And for the good stuff, you got to go premium. Pay it. Pay the creator, John Ellis. That's right. <laughs> and if digital currencies actually are based upon commodities, among other things, there's no better site than Rebecca's, investableuniverse.com, which covers the global market of things. Things. That's right. That's it from us today. News Items is produced by Christian castro Russell, Pierre Bienname, Ali Rogers, and Megan Burney. Our theme music was composed by Billy Libby. Our recording engineer today is Simran Singh, and we'd like to thank the whole team at Factory Underground. We'll be back tomorrow afternoon with my interview with David Barbosa, one of the world's foremost journalists on all things China. We'll see you then. <laughs> <laughs>